Welcome to the Women of the Military podcast for another bonus episode in partnership with the Military Officers Association of America, MOA. Since 1929, MOA's mission has been to protect your earned military benefits. Through tireless advocacy, they have forged a legacy of success benefiting the entire military community. Today's guest, Rachel Johnson, is currently serving in the United States Coast Guard and is part of the MOA Advisory Committee. In today's interview, we talk about the role she plays as one of the members of the advisory committee, Storming the Hill, and how and why you should get involved in MOA. You can sign up to be a member of MOA today at www.moaa.org slash for the people. I can't wait to share this episode with you, so let's get started. listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm Amanda Huffman. I'm an Air Force veteran, author of Women of the Military, and a collaborative author of Brave Women, Strong Faith. I am also a military spouse and mom. I created Women of the Military podcast as a place to share stories of military women past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Welcome to the show, Rachel. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so excited to be on today. So let's get started with why did you decide to join the military? After college, I went into real estate and I was in real estate and coaching cheerleading for about a year, but that was back in 2008 and the market crashed. So early 21, I didn't quite, wasn't quite established. And I had a friend that was in the Navy and a friend that was in the Army. And I figured, you know, join the military. It'd be fun. You know, I'm smart. I'm fit. I could totally do this and ended up enlisting in the Marine Corps and shipping out from there. It was a way to kind of find a new way forward when, you know, your whole world comes crashing down at 21. You think you had everything set up and it wasn't. So I didn't think 12 years later, here I am a commissioned officer in the Coast Guard. So I'm really excited about where the journey brought me. Yeah, you went from Marines to Coast Guard and from enlisted to officer. So that sounds like such an interesting experience. It was. I did just shy of eight years enlisted in the Marine Corps, and I applied for a direct commission with my field of intelligence for the Coast Guard, and I was accepted into the Coast Guard. So it was a really neat experience. Three years earlier, I actually started the process of taking commission with the Navy, but then the government shut down, so they stopped all sessions. And then I had my daughter, and when I was still doing more research, and then I came across the Coast Guard commissioning program and put in for it and was accepted the second time around. So I'm really excited. And it's been a really amazing experience to be both Marine Corps Coast Guard enlisted and officer. Yeah, sounds like I need you to be on the podcast so we can talk more about your story. 
Let's do one quick question about your military service. Is there anything from your career that you're particularly proud of that you want to share with us? Particularly proud of when I see former either Marines or Coast Guardsmen now that I've been in both services, when I see them succeeding in life, either they've gotten out and they're succeeding or as they move up in their career, I think that's the most rewarding because in the back of my mind, I would like to think that I had a part in their success and that you know, hopefully something I did when I was their superior helped them. So that's really an amazing part of it. I got to be part of the 2017 hurricane season response. And uh, that was, you know, jumping in with the Coast Guard with both feet and being put on that team, you know, the, the, the lives we saved. And I mean, we did hurricane response over 10 states, territories, regions. I mean, it was phenomenal to It was a different mission set from what I was used to almost eight years in the Marine Corps. So that was really neat, too. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So let's talk about what your role is on the Military Officers Association of America Advisory Committee. So I am... I one of 12 on the currently serving advisory council, and I'm also an active duty liaison for the Alamo chapter here in San Antonio, Texas for the local MOA chapter. But for MOA National, being on the currently serving advisory council, there are 12 of us representing all branches of the uniform service, so all seven of us, which is amazing. And we work with the MOA board of directors and and MOA staff for different topics. And then we also work hand in hand with the currently serving spouses advisory council. And we usually split half and we'll take two topics and we'll run with it and come up with, you know, try to be innovative with decisions to help kind of move MOA forward. What's best for our communities? What's best for the military families? How can we get up our leadership or our membership and how we can do picking legislative topics that are current and relevant uh, for storming the hill. So part one of our yearly topics is coming up with what's challenging service members and their families and retirees and spouses and surviving spouses uh, with topics that we can bring to Congress to help change either the NDAA or right this year we did it virtually, but we still participated and it was really important to work on the healthcare reform for service members. It's been an amazing experience. You serve a two-year term. There's a selection process, an application selection process. And I mean, it's a great group of people, both on the currently serving and the currently serving spouse side. Yeah, you said storm the hill. And I a few years ago, I heard that and I was like, what are you talking about? So can you explain in like layman's term what storm the hill means? I feel like you kind of explained it when you were talking about your uh, what you were doing. But I just think it'd be better if people are confused what that means. Uh, so storm the hill is the branding we use for once a year. And now we're shooting for twice a year, so a summer storm the hill, where we contact all the congressmen and women and conduct in-person, or right now it's virtual, but historically, we have meetings with them to discuss what, what our topics are, what what our goals and what we're asking them to advocate for us for comes to congressional legislation. So we 2019, it was awesome. It was my first year participating. And luckily, I was stationed up in Northern Virginia. So got together. There were people that came in from every single state. 
MOA members that came in from every single state and we all got together and joined up in teams and literally went from office to office on Capitol Hill and went from meeting to meeting to advocate for all members of the military. And even though there were Military Officers Association of America, this was for we advocate for everyone, enlisted officers, family you know, retirees in 2019, one of our topics was repealing the widow's tax that had been plaguing a lot of our surviving spouses. So we just want equality and we want fairness. And this is our way of going about it. And then this year with uh, 2020 and everything COVID, it was really, it was different, but we still held Zoom calls. We still scheduled with the congressmen and women and really neat in 2019, there was a team I was on. There's a congresswoman that would never take in-person meetings for Storm the Hill because she didn't take calls from the traditional, what you would think, Mo member, older white gentleman. And then when I contacted her scheduler and I was female active duty, so I was the first one that she was able, that she offered to take a face-to-face meeting with because I was an active duty female other than what traditionally comes into her office. So instead of just one of her staff members taking notes, I thought that was really neat. And I didn't know till after the fact when I was told by one of the team members that no one's been able to get a meeting with her until I had sent a request. So that was really a huge honor to be able to sit down and do that. And, you know, I was just there doing my duty of advocating and, and serving the community. Yeah, that's really cool. That sounds so awesome. And you mentioned the widow's tax and weren't you guys successful in repealing it? We were successful in repealing it. So that is a huge, huge honor just to know that if I was part of any of it, and that's really what we go there for. And we were, you know, hearing, we got to sit down and hear from a few of the spouses that had been affected by it. And I mean, their stories were so powerful. So I am so grateful deep down in my heart that, you know, I went with a purpose and I was passionate about it and we all were. And to be able to repeal it is is phenomenal. Yeah, it is. So what sort of impact have you seen MOA make to help veterans, service members and their families? I mean, you talked about the widow's tax and storming the hill, but any particular issues? As far as issues, I I feel like MOA is very strong in their networking and transitional services. I mean, they have tons of training and they have so many offers on financial literacy, retirement, even if you're getting out, but you're not retiring. I mean, the transition process, the they have this uh, hiring symposiums every year, which are from the job fairs, and then scholarships, the foundation that has the scholarships, and they also have no interest loans for college, which you know, is a huge benefit to its members in general. So I think that there is so much more that MOA gives. And it's a nice balance between for the currently serving, the former retired surviving spouse, whoever it may be, there's actually something beneficial for everyone. And their publication, the Military Officer Magazine is, I mean, always comes out with phenomenal content month, uh, you know, every time it gets published, the, the magazine, I mean, they highlight author, you have MOA members that are authors, you have MOA members that are doing, have moved on from their careers and are doing phenomenal things. And they always do a great job about highlighting that and then also putting people in contact. 
So the resources that are offered are very broad and, you know, I hope more people take advantage of them. Even during quarantine now, they've been having virtual webinars on all different topics for both active duty that are helpful, those transitioning and those retired. So even being able to still get content and mentorship via the the webinar. So, you know, we haven't quite slowed down. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think sometimes people think that the only thing that you guys are doing are stuff on Capitol Hill, but there's so much more to it. And I'll put links to all the resources that you mentioned so people can go and find them in the show notes easily and get more involved. So why do you feel it's important for service members and veterans to be involved in MOA? Well, I think it's important because you know, it doesn't continue to run without the support and interaction with the military officer community. And I really think that it's important to have the innovative mindsets that, that are coming with the up and coming officers and then also the wealth of knowledge that former and retired officers have to keep MOA relevant and they do a great job. I mean, we have some phenomenal members and being part of this community and the spouses too, spouses and family. I have really stepped up. I mean, we've got social media influencers that are members and just kind of keeping our voice heard that we are more than advocacy where, you know, because there are some people that don't necessarily want to get involved with the politics side of it, which we're not. We're, we're here to do what's best for everyone and make sure that our voice is heard. But then you know, the family side of it, you know, we need the donations for the foundation. So we continue to offer scholarships and then the chapters as well. I mean, you go to some remote parts of the country and you're not alone. You still have a group. There's a network. I mean, we PCS down from Virginia to San Antonio a year ago, and I got linked up with the chapter after being up with MOA National. I'm still on the currently serving, but it was nice to be able to walk into a community and open arms and resources. And from there, you know, being other members of the community. And it's just a way when you go, especially active duty, when you do PCS or, or change stations from base to base, state to state, you have that network and that family that will welcome you with open arms. And it also serves back to the community. I mean, we were, the food bank was short on volunteers. So they reached out to us at MOA and we were able to get people from the bases to volunteer, both enlisted and officer. But you know, that's why I think it's important because we're basically just connecting people and it, it's all positive. I mean, I've, everyone wants to do the right thing. And I think that's what is great about our membership community. Yeah, and it's great to hear it's such a resource for those like when you move, because my husband's still in the Air Force. And part of the reason that I haven't gotten involved in like chapters is because I'm like, well, I'm going to move and then I have to start all over. But maybe I need to rethink that and realize like that's an open door to like making networking within the community right away instead of doing it on my own. I think that's really valuable and something that a lot of times we get stuck in our, I'm just going to be for here for a few years, so I'm not going to do all these things. But it sounds like that's an open door to get you connected with the community so quickly and meet people. It is. And I mean, I know every command has their, you know, family resource or ombudsman or, or what have you for the unit. But with the MOA chapters, I feel it's a really great opportunity to be welcomed and kind of have an automatic family, as you will. 
<laughs> that they have resources and they know about, you know, the ins and outs, because especially a lot of the retirees are, are the board members. So there's a way to kind of immerse yourself without, because normally we're hesitant, you know, I'm not here. I'm just do wave tops until I get my next assignment. And that's not the case. And the other thing about Moa, which, you know, I definitely think it's, it's worth the mention is, you know, between the currently serving and then the currently serving spouses, Moa has had an amazing outreach that, you know, we've had male spouses on the spouses committee and myself as a female on the currently serving. It's backwards from, you know, what you normally see because, you know, my husband spent 13 years in the Marine Corps before he was medically separated. Now he's a spouse. So, I mean, he's involved with it too. I mean, I, half my good ideas come from him when I'm on MOA meetings and, and we're trying to brainstorm ideas, but just how forward leaning MOA is with caring about, you know, what is the male spouse's voice? What is the female service member's voice? Because our challenges are different than what was the traditional military family model. So um, the fact that Mo has been so forward leaning with that, you know, as we're coming into an age of diversity and inclusion, they were on the forefront of it really with getting our voices heard and, and bringing us onto these committees. So I think that's really awesome too, to be a part of something and have the other side heard. I mean, this is women in the military is a podcast to be, you know, we all have some similar struggles. So to have the opportunity to sit on this committee and have our voices heard. And at the same time, you know, have our spouse's voices heard, you know, as a male military spouse, that's not the traditional role, but it's more common than people may think. For sure. So what do you think would happen if MOA ceased to exist? If we didn't have an organization like MOA that's like leading the front with diversity and inclusion and changing the way things are going on Capitol Hill and building that community, how would that hurt the military community at large? I think a lot of efforts would come to a standstill. There are a lot of people with good intention, but without the backbone of MOA, I don't think we'd have the successes moving forward and really transitioning the way of people's mindset, the way of thinking of how the military should run or, you know, things that worked back in World War II, back in Vietnam. You think about Desert Storm and women in the military then. I don't think without the backbone of MOA moving things forward, we wouldn't be as progressive as we are today with the health care, repealing the widow's tax, more family support, more spousal support, because a lot of veteran service organizations, you know, if a service member passes away, the spouse then gets cut off. And MOA's basically, you know, surviving spouses, just because your spouse may pass away for whatever cause, they are still, the spouse still has all of the resources that MOA has to offer. And it's not to say that MOA is the only veteran service organization you should be a part of if you're eligible, but continuing the effort is, I think, imperative to moving forward. And no one says that you can't be part of more than one veteran service organization. I'm also a member of the VFW, but Everyone kind of has their own niche. And I, I think MOA has really done a great job of stepping up with multiple different avenues. And I, I don't think we'd be where we are today if it weren't for the acts of MOA and its members. What are the benefits that you feel that you get from MOA being a member in MOA? 
the benefits, first and foremost, are the mentorship and the networking. I now have a, a group of people that I can contact if it's looking at really anything across the spectrum that would affect a service member. Everyone is so friendly that you have that. And, and the mentorship outside of what you'd normally get with your command or once you get out, what's available to you. I mean, I have two young children. So the fact that they have the scholarship available and no interest school loans, you have the foundation, really the education, financial literacy. I mean, that's a huge thing that, you know, especially when you have people joining the military, they're commissioning right after college, or even the ones, you know, that like myself that went enlisted to officer, there's a lot out there that you just don't know about that doesn't come with OCS or basic training when it comes to planning your future. So Mo has got expertly crafted webinars and series on that. And like I said, they're magazine their publication, you know, every time has amazing content highlighting, you know, service members and MOA members. Um, I really think that it's a huge benefit to our families to be able to have these resources. So after you get involved and you become a member of MOA, how should you get involved on another level? Like, should you join a chapter? Should you, what would be the next step if you become a member? What would be the next step? What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about joining or if they have joined? I mean, first and foremost, you know, they're, everyone has a comfortability with their level of involvement. You know, they're the ones that jump in with two feet, the ones that want to be, you know, on the side and just watching and both are, you know, everyone's welcome. So if you want to get in, you know, become a member and there's a basic membership that's free. And then as you, there are different tiers of membership. And as you, you know, pay for and move up, more things are are available and offered. But when you first join, we are just fine with you being a member and taking in all the content and just supporting us with what we want to do moving forward and all of our, you know, legislative and advocacy and everything we want to do with the community. You know, if you're MOA National, we just really want the, the support and just the feedback. You're listening to us. Yes, are we doing the right thing? Do you agree? Do you disagree with what we're doing? Do you have any suggestions? You know, and there are people that just take it all in, and that's fine too. And then every year, there's a solicitation for the currently serving advisory committee and currently serving spouses committee. You know, there's solicitation for board members. There's, you know, you can join a chapter and you can be, you know, a silent member in the chapter and and take in everything they have to offer. Or you can take a position like when I got here after a year, I am now the active duty liaison. So just because I, you know, I have that availability to contact active duty in my day-to-day operations versus, you know, the retirees to just get people involved. And it's every, the best part about Mo is you can participate at your level of comfort. I love that. I think sometimes maybe as veterans or maybe just, maybe it's just me, but we put so much pressure on like, if we join an organization, we have to like dive right in. But that's really good advice. If you're at the level that you just want to get involved and support what Mo is doing and take it all in, that's perfectly okay. Or if you want to get more involved. So there's every level of spectrum of what you want to do. Absolutely. You just want to get the newsletter and read about it or the magazine, go for it. You want to go to a meeting or two and see what it's about, go for it. You're just there to get the volunteer emails and take that role, go for it. 
And would you say that the first step should be to go to the membership page and pick out a membership level? And what are the differences between like the free, the premiere, and the lifetime? I mean, just go into the, the main membership page to just kind of read about our our member benefits. And, you know, if you want to start out with just a, a basic, just kind of see what it's about, that's okay. And, you know, then you want to come in as a paid, you have your basic, your premiums and life. You have the basic, you know, you get your e-communications, you, you know, they're still advocating for you. But then it comes down to when you're paying for the, when you actually pay for your membership with the premium, you have, you know, more access and it's free for a lot of the financial education, your scholarships you're eligible for. You get your advice on the military pay, the transition, you get your magazine. And then if you're a life member, there's a spouse protection, which I was talking about earlier. And then the Army Navy Club of Washington, D.C. And then it has like 200 uh, reciprocity clubs. You have your initiation fee waived to be able to join. But I mean, starting from the beginning, even with the basic membership, you still get the advocacy efforts, the newsletter, you can be involved in chapter and councils, you know, you have there's insurance, there's travel discounts, pet insurance, all, all sorts of different things that MOA has partnered with. I mean, we were doing a thing for a while, where, or I think it's actually still active, where certain Microsoft training and SAT, ACT training was heavily, heavily discounted. I think it was something like $15, when normally it's 150 for these courses. So those kind of benefits are across the board. Yeah, that's great. And I've been a I've been a basic member since I left the Air Force and I really enjoy getting the newsletter updates and I didn't even pay attention to all those discounts I've been missing out on. So that's really exciting. So I just want to say thank you for your time and for giving us all this information about what MOA does and just for all the work that you've done on Capitol Hill and to support MOA. Thank you, Amanda, so much for having me. I thank Moa and I thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women of the Military Podcast. Do you love all things Women of the Military Podcast? Become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review. It really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow. Are you still listening? You could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book Women of the Military on Amazon. Every dollar helps to continue the work I am doing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to get your product or service in front of the Women of the Military podcast audience? Get in touch with the Women of the Military podcast team to learn more. All the links on how you can support Women of the Military podcast are located in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and for your support.